Hello, my name is Robert J. Rosenthal. I'm the managing editor at the San Francisco Chronicle, and you are listening to a podcast from the San Francisco Chronicle. Hi, I'm Tim Goodman, and welcome to the next installment of TV Talk Machine. And this week we have with us Joel Cohen. He's a, a writer for The Simpsons and also co-executive producer. The Simpsons is the longest-running show on television, and it will now surpass 400 episodes, which is a true milestone in television. So how are you? I'm good. How are you doing? Uh, I'm doing great. I'm wondering if a year from today we will uh, have seen you on, on stage at the Oscars accepting an award for The Simpsons movie. Well, you wouldn't see me. I'm not one of the uh, the fortunate few that are working on it. I'm more of the t- on the TV show. Uh huh. There's a separate team for the movie. Joel, what's why is there a separate team? You're not funny enough. Come on. I will prove to you over the next <laughs> few minutes. I'm absolutely not funny enough. Yeah. No. They just uh, it's sort of the the senior guys that have run the show in the past, or people like George Meyer and John Schwartzwelder, um, who are being used to make sure the movie's as good as it can be. Gotcha, gotcha. One of the things that strikes me always uh, when I talk to uh, writers, especially um, those who do comedy, what's it like? Can give, us, give us a little bit of a sense of what it's like in a writer's room, especially something like The Simpsons. I've, I've, I've you know, been down there at the Television Critics Tour, and I've seen table reads and whatnot, but what is it like in the room? Um, it's great. I mean, it's intimidating at first, certainly. Um, something you have to learn to get over uh, and just sort of eliminate any sense of rejection that you ever had, which <laughs> I thought I did dating in high school. But uh, basically, it, it's it's sort of intimidating and then it's great because for the same reason. You realize that you're sort of amongst this group of people that, uh, for the task at hand, are, are very talented and very well qualified and very chosen for that task. And uh, so you know, it's this, it's this crazy atmosphere where people, when they're when inspiration strikes, people are yelling stuff out, often speaking over top of each other, and you feel and you witness this sense of people building upon each other's ideas and jokes and getting a single joke or a line or an idea to a place that no individual would have on their own because of this cumulative effort. Right. Um, and and watching and being part of it is just a really cool. Uh, benefit now had you always felt like that i mean because a lot of people especially like say a stand-up comic always Mm -hmm. does their own material and they think okay i built it to the punchline and this is the best it can be did you always feel that that way yourself or when and then got into a writer's room and 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 realized just what you said that you know with a lot of different voices it can get funnier and funnier um you know certainly i think everybody when they create something on their own they have a sense of pride in it that like why this is i created this and in my perception this is the best it can be but i feel like most people if they at least are a roommate of of the people i'm fortunate enough to sit in right um that you really see that you know people bring all these different perspectives and ideas and that cumulative effect of people adding their little bit to it often guides it to a place that you have to recognize at the end is better than your individual thing of course there are some jokes that people write that make it all the way through to air because there's such a solid joke all the way through. But for the most part, I find that cumulative effort helps stuff out. Yeah, you did a great job sort of explaining what that's there. I mean, it must be chaotic in there, and if people are shouting and it's funny, does that sort of like push you to make you funnier? Or or are you thinking, oh, damn, this is great, this is brilliant, and I'm... I got to sit this one out because I got nothing. I got nothing here. I just have to rely on how handsome I am. That's what I go back to. <laughs> uh, no, it, it does push you to be funnier, and and you know the truth is. People will say stuff that is not that funny, but it's all part of that process. So you almost have to really release yourself. And uh, in trying to get funny, you often have to fail 500 times. And, uh, you know, you just have to know that just just try stuff. And, and you have to feel comfortable being able to try stuff and not be hung up by how funny everyone else is. Because in trying stuff, you can kind of get the momentum going for, for what will end up 
being something great. Right. And Joel, you're a co-executive producer, is that correct? I am. And how many years have you been uh, uh, writing for The Simpsons? I am push- I'm just going to my seventh year. It's my eighth season by some weird twist of fate, but my seventh year. Wow. Interesting. Now, now, how, now, how in all of that, and then all of that sort of mm-hmm. daily or weekly shouting and pushing to get the funniest <laughs> jokes in, how do you keep it fresh? Uh, not just I mean, even season to season, but sort of like week to week. How do you keep it fresh? Um, but mostly like on a season to season basis. It's really hard. I mean, and we're in an even more difficult position than most shows because, you know, this, I think it's May, we have our 400th episode. So it's like when you come up with something you think is absolutely brilliant, a voice <laughs> will come from the back of the room. We did that in season three, right. you know, because there's been 400 brilliant episodes, each one jam-packed with great stuff. So it's really, really hard. And it's just more work is the, is the bottom line. The simple answer is just it takes longer. Right. And now is there somebody designated to sit, sit back there and sort of like comic book guy? <laughs> the and, the and annoying the jerk in the room? <laughs> right. Uh, you know, you feel, we call them bumps. That's like our little term. But you feel bad when you have them. But it's also you have to raise them because we don't want to repeat ourselves and we want to be fresh for the viewer. So, you know, you're doing a, a service, although at the moment everyone hates you and uh, you'll probably get beaten up and your car will be keep. But for the <laughs> moment, it's, well, you're in the long run, it's helpful. That's the interesting thing too, because a lot of the Simpsons fans go all the way back. I mean, obviously, it's been on. It, I think it is the longest running show on television. Am I right? I think that's true. I believe it is. I'll just say it is because right, why not? I'm the professional. I'm not here to argue. Okay. Yeah. Uh, you know, on the one hand, some people have been raised on The Simpsons. Some younger people have been raised on The Simpsons. It's their favorite show throughout all these years, and they've gone through sort of their formative, young laughter years. And other people, you know, like they've just it was their show at that right age, and now they know every episode. So is, does that uh, how are you sort of like overcoming that, not getting stuck by thinking, oh, well, how we've done that. We did that in the fourth season. How do you kind of like keep the characters who they are without changing them wildly? And so a long time viewers say, oh, Mo would have never said that, that kind of thing. Right, right, right. I think there have been some subtle shifts in the characters. I mean, if you look at Homer in season one, he wasn't quite the stupid moron, I say that lovingly, of course, right. that he is now. He was just more of the frustrated, angry dad. And I yeah. think as you know, the search for comedy and that they've found a rich vein of comedy and pushing him to the guy that he is and has been for most of the, the run of the show. Um, and it, I, I keep going back to the same thing. It's, it's, it's hard. It's getting harder because obviously our characters haven't aged either in 19 seasons or 18 seasons. Um, so it's, it's this, you know, we're really the slice of life, but we've just picked over this slice so much. And, um, you know, we, we are now forced to, and, and in a good way, we sort of have pushed our... Um, our focus onto some of sort of a little bit more of the fringe characters, like for example, Mo, you mentioned, we've right. been able to explore his character a little bit more, um, and there's some fresh material there, um, and you know, Principal Skinner, and then even like uh, we have an episode with Old Gill, this character that probably people don't even know what I'm talking about, or we can do an <laughs> Apu episode, but we're finding it. We certainly are trying to get whatever we can out of the core of the show, but. We're expanding that core a little bit to find new material. Right. I can never get enough groundskeeper, Willie. <laughs> well, good. I'm glad to hear that. <laughs> yeah, enough of that. Not enough of that, clearly, and not enough comic book guy. Well, we have a, a through the next tw- seasons 20 through 21 are just all comic book guy and groundskeeper, <laughs> Willie, them living together in an apartment, and they're crazy hijinks. So you're going to love it. Excellent. So that's, yeah. what I, that's what I'll look forward to. Good, good, now, good. Now, this all brings up kind of an interesting point, and I'm sure you've heard this before, and it probably pisses you off. but. Right. What do you think when people say, especially longtime fans, say, oh, you know what, it was funnier in the earlier days? I mean, that's when I talk, to, a lot of times people say, what, what's, the, what's your favorite show, et cetera, et cetera. And I'll say, look, I think that The Simpsons is probably the greatest show that's ever been created and, uh, for, for a comedy. And people will come back and say, well, yeah, but it was always funnier in the early days. Does that, does that annoy you? 
I would agree the show was much better before I started working here. I would certainly agree with people on that. Um, but you know what? It, it's a very different show. I mean, again, I always say we, we, are for, we are not forced. We go back and watch the old episodes all the time because we do want to make sure we're not repeating ourselves. And if you watch a show from, say, season two or season three, no question, they're phenomenal. Even the pace of the show is much different than uh, mm-hmm. there's far fewer jokes, not to say it's worse or better, it's just different. And, you know, it, it, I think it appeals to different tastes. And like you said, people have grown up with the show and new people are discovering the show all the time. And I would like to think that for people that don't have, or if there's some way you can avoid watching those early episodes and reruns and just tune into the show from pick a season 14 or whatever, um, you're going to love the show regardless. And then you'll watch an older episode and say, oh, it's different, but it's still good. You know, it's easy. It's just with anything, people always look back nostalgically or sentimentally and like to believe it was better originally. I think it's just a different show now, and it's still a great show. I think you're. I think you're right, and that's a good way to put it. It is a different show. But do you have a sense of like keeping up a legacy? There's a certainly. I, I do feel like some sort of responsibility, especially when we're lucky enough to have these old, uh, old in that they've worked here a long time. Writers around, and you can see that these guys. I mentioned George Meyer's name to you a little bit earlier, John Swartzwelder. When we have the occasion to have these guys around, and you recognize these are kind of some of the guys that really built the foundation that we're enjoying now. That's when I get the sense of legacy that I'm sort of working on the same show as a John Swartzwelder or a George Meyer or an Al Jean or any of these people that are sort of icons on the show. And I, I get it in that sense. And even just when I have the opportunity to talk to you or to go somewhere like the Jewish Center and you meet people that are fans of the show and you see the reaction in the public, you really understand how important the show has been to so many people and, and enjoy it that way as well. Right. Now, I want to just go back uh, to what you said earlier. Um, no one told me they'd be going back. <laughs> that was not a part of the deal. <laughs> there will be a rewind. Oh, exactly. Now, is it, uh, you said there's more jokes per show now. Do you think that's something that is just a necessity of viewership changing? Because I know that people say, you know, people get things more. You can do an Arrested Development where you've got four, three or four different sub-layers of humor than you could even like five or six years ago. Do you believe that, that the, that the viewers are getting a little more savvy to that kind of humor? I actually do. I mean, and not just on our show. I mean, you see shows like The Office or, or Curb Your Enthusiasm or Arrested Development, like you mentioned, and they're all kind of working on a different, uh, with an understanding that the audience is, like you said, more sophisticated in a lot of ways. And even now you're parodying jokes that were done in a sort of straight version, you know, 10 years ago, 15 right. years ago, and it's become such a trope now that you have to put a spin on it and everything is sort of, uh, accelerated in a way, and and uh, you know even as much as we're adding more jokes per show, I don't know the exact numbers, but I believe because of more commercials, we're actually working in less show per episode. You know, maybe we have 18 minutes in a in a 30 minute episode, right? Uh, or maybe it's 20 minutes, whatever it is. But I bet they probably had a minute or two more 10 years ago, right? Um, so a little bit it, sad that it it is a little sad, but it's mind blowing that you're getting less show and more jokes at the same time, so. right? Uh, that's something to be said for the audience, absolutely, whether we've created it or we're just playing to it. What's the limit on a callback, by the way, on a comedic callback? Can you can you call back a joke 10 years? The government says five years, <laughs> uh, if you talk to your accountant. Um, you can, uh, well, there's some jokes, uh, of course, they fail me now, that are so you know iconic that you're doing a spin on it. Um, I'm searching desperately, searching desperately, still can't <laughs> find one. But, you know, right. there's some, some standard comedy bits, for example, slipping on a banana. Say. Right. How old is that? But there's certainly new twists on it. You know? Right. Um, so you can call that back whenever you're calling it back from. Who knows? Right. And uh, a lot of the characters have traits that are, uh, you know, similar, and, and, and you can spin jokes on that through the years. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. And, and even then, there's another level of meta humor, if you will, where we're making fun of ourselves. You know, we had an episode I wrote, so of course I remember a little bit better, but the dog had to get neutered. And, right. and Lisa 
Denise is like, wasn't the dog neutered before? And you see she's flipping through the book that we <laughs> actually sell in human real bookstores about all the episodes of The Simpsons. So, you know, we're at that level as well now. We're, That's great. That's great. But I will say that, the, uh, that, first of all, we can't use meta. <laughs> That's just not acceptable in a no. comedy format. And right, uh, if you're going to use the word trope, you might want to leave that for the TV critic. That's what all we right. use. Well, you'll edit this all out and make me sound normal. I Absolutely. And yeah, it'll be perfect. hilarious. Now, right. uh, yeah, I remember Al Jean once saying that uh, pitching a like a premise to one of the episodes is really just like a three or four word thing. You know, Homer Homer comes home drunk or... Is it really that short that 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 the pitch for a premise is just like that short? If there if there's some ideas uh, again, I, I hate to go back to things that, that are my episodes, but I, I no just, do it. Yeah, it was this like, is for you. you know, Krusty's bar mitzvah. That right. was you know right away people were like that's a show. You know what I mean? And mm-hmm. there's other things where you're like it, the idea is funny, but then you could never imagine how the family could get in that situation. So that requires a lot of setup to get them there. But if you just said, you know. Uh, Homer's mistaken for a chimpanzee. I mean, right. that's, I'm not a pitch. It could be. But then it's like, okay, well, how could that happen? And, and the, the, as funny as that sentence is, you have to somehow substantiate it with some backup that could actually believably lead to that situation. <laughs> well, you're, you're, a, you're a comedy writer, and, I, and I've known comics for uh, stand-up comics. How far will you go to make the joke connect? I mean, how, how, hard, how, how hard will you bend over backwards to, to get either the sight gag in or the the joke that you that you've dreamt up maybe as the pitch. How how far will you go? Me personally, yeah. I like to think I will go pretty far, but you know it stalls pretty quickly when you go <laughs> that distance and you pitch it and no one laughs. You know, <laughs> and that's going to be the ultimate judge is that if you pitch something as much as you've brought your PowerPoint presentation and right. your action figurines, if no one laughs in the room, the joke's going no further. But right. you know. What do you what do you do in a room? And you're a funny guy. What do you do when you're in a room full of people and you and you and you come out, you think something's funny on the way to work or whatever, and you pitch it, and it's just silence. <laughs> I carry a loaded gun with me at all times. <laughs> uh, no, you know it's, that's what I was saying earlier. You just have to develop this uh, skin, uh, thick skin, and have no sense of rejection whatsoever, and know that okay, that one didn't work. Next, you know, reload the cannon. Um, I, there's also the weird experience of sometimes. I pitch something and I don't even know why it's funny, but it gets a huge laugh, and then it goes in the script. And I sometimes still don't even know why people laugh, but I never tell anyone. I'm just opening up to you. I feel comfortable with you. As long as the check's clear. Exactly. Right, exactly. Yeah. Now uh, I, I did sort of put in my blog that I was, uh, of course, it's the 2007. You have to have a blog. You do. And uh, people were p- putting in some questions. So these are from actual real life readers, oh, Joel. So well, uh, there must be at least two or three of them. <laughs> there is exactly. Uh, let's see. What were the challenges and/or benefits you and the rest of the team faced when creating the Simpsons movie, as opposed to the Weekly Show? One, well, we know that you weren't working on it because you weren't that funny. Right. But, <laughs> but you could probably give an overall sense of. Uh, you know, I, I will say that they, uh, first of all, they succeeded in doing this, but they mm-hmm. wanted to do something that w- was not seen on the show because hopefully it's of a scope that we couldn't do on the show, and it's hard to imagine that because we've done everything on the show. Mm-hmm. Um, and they wanted to make an enjoyable, not just a long episode, they wanted to make a movie that stands on its own and has really funny and fresh and clever stuff. And the biggest challenge was with 400 episodes behind you, um, it's hard to find those areas that generate, uh, meet those goals, but right. I think they've done a good job of it. But we're not going to see, like, Marge nude or something. Oh, my God. I, I can't even answer that. Uh, I'm looking at her right now. Right. But, uh, no, I, you know, it, it's going to be a movie that's going to air in theaters, and I'm sure people will be able to take their kids to much like they enjoy it with their family, so you can imagine it will meet those guidelines. Right. now, And why do you think it took so this long to, um, to, to get to the movie stage? I think, you know, the show was the first priority, obviously, and it just took a long time to get the cast to the point they wanted a movie and certainly to have the manpower that they could add it, focus on the movie while the show is still going. 
Um, and I think they also want to have the right idea. And I, I know they noodled around for a long time on, on episodes that maybe, wow, that could have been a movie, that could have been a movie. But then they finally sat down and they wanted to talk about what the movie was could be, and they found the right thing. So right. it's a confluence. Well, I, I thumbed through these uh, questions that readers sent in. I think I found the best question because it's, it's also kind of just bizarre and different. Right. I'll, I'll read it to you. It's a, yeah, it's a semi-paragraph here. It says, Joel, I am a park ranger at one of All the right. Y parks. I don't know what the Y parks is. And an avid Simpsons fan. I am turning 29 years tomorrow. This was, right. uh, so he turned, uh, Sam Vasquez turned tw- 29 on February 24th. Uh, and I've been a park ranger eight years in August. I've noticed countless National Park Service references. My favorite uh, reference is the episode where Bart and Homer are in the father-son competition. And Lisa asks, what are you going to do while, you, while, while you're competing? And Marge replies, what do you mean? We were in the National Park. There are all sorts of things to do. At this time, a park ranger appears out of nowhere and says, I'm sorry, ma'am. Due to budget cuts, you are no longer allowed to have fun here. <laughs> so his question is, he says, my question is, how do the writers know so much of the intricate details and the woes of the National Park Service? Wow. I bet you didn't think you could get that today, did you? I expected a lot of that. I expected <laughs> the stuff about his birthday. I expected the stuff about the park service. The question hit me of a bit of a surprise. Um, you know, it's, what's funny, I won't answer the question specifically, but maybe in my answer you'll see this. We, I hear the same comment from every group of people. I mean, I'm Canadian, but uh, by no means is this the case. But every time I talk to anyone in Canada, like, wow, this thing relates to me so much. And I bumped into a guy in my hometown who's like, you had a deli owner whose son was named Sam, just like my name's Sam, and my dad owned a deli. How did you put that in the show? <laughs> and I think it's just that people take from it whatever they, which is good, that they, they are seeing some of themselves in the show. Um, and again, we've had 400 episodes, so I feel like we have at some point parodied everything and many things repeatedly. Right. Um, so if you're looking for those specific things about you know pregnant ladies with uh, prosthetic limbs, uh, there's enough of those jokes in there that hits that demographic as well. So well, I'm I know that, that I know that the next time I see a Nas- National Park Service joke, I'm just going to fall out. This one exactly. Well, <laughs> yeah, hold on then. <laughs> it's going to be. It's going to be over the top. Yeah, absolutely. Now, uh, when you're you're coming to the JCC in San Francisco, I am. And, and yeah. Do you take questions, or you do most of mostly just talking about, uh, you know, what kind of speech are you prepared for the at the JCC? Uh, I it's a general speech about the show, sort of how it comes together, how it works behind the scenes, some funny stuff that has never made it to air, some funny stories of how some specific stuff did make it to air, kind of the challenge of that we go through to get a show made. Um, there's a little bit of uh, to the Jewish Center, so there's a little bit about how Judaism and other group um, has been portrayed on the show. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, yeah, wide open to questions, and even questions from forest rangers are going to be accepted. <laughs> Jewish forest rangers, which I'm sure is a giant group. <laughs> yeah. I'm sure that's like, what if it was like 60% of the ticket sales have gone to the National Forest Service? <laughs> oh, that would be phenomenal. It's just so great. And people Our from tax Canada. dollars at work. Right. Right. Now, uh, I'm sure the people who were listening to this are like, well, why didn't you ask them? I mean, you, did you have, give me one anecdote that you might use for the, those people too cheap in San Francisco who are <laughs> not going to go. And they're going to say, hey, you know, well, I want to know something behind the scenes of The Simpsons. So I've been watching this thing for 400 episodes, which, by the way, is, is unbelievable. If people listening to this don't know, um, the 100 episodes is a landmark in television. So to yeah, get absolutely. to 400 yeah. is, I think, well, if, if it's the longest running show on television, then it, it, it is unheard of. I was on Suddenly Susan, another fabulous show, and I was there for the 100th episode. So I like to think that this is like four wonderful Suddenly Susans put together. No, I cannot let that go by. First of all, you wrote for Suddenly Susan. Right. Right, and that was San Francisco-based. You're right. There's a whole uh, theme I didn't even notice before until now. Yes, and uh, And I live in California where San Francisco is also located. Right. Well, this is all, you know, it's all about San Francisco for us. It's freaky. There's vowels in my name just like there are in San Francisco. (laughs) Right. 
Now here's here, I know I mean no offense by this. Yeah, no, and I sure. know that you will take none for this. No, I have none. Suddenly Susan made a hundred episodes? It's I know. Trust me. Shocking to all of us. I thought there was something the decimal place had jumped one <laughs> one digit. Now were you there for the whole hundred? No, God no. Oh. I was there for actually the very last season. Um Which was the I, funniest season. The best it was such a funny season that we produced 22 episodes that year, but after 13, they stopped airing them. So we produced the other nine in, like, silence in the dark. They've never been broadcast except sold as a syndication package. So if there's, like, a baseball game rained out in Bulgaria, they will put on one of these Suddenly Susan episodes. And oh, that's, I, you know what? Somebody's going to be a cultist, and they will track that down. Oh, well, I mean, if you're a completist and you have, like, the, you know, the 88th episode and you want to get there, you're going to go through that last season. When someone, if someone is out there shopping for Suddenly Susan, the complete series on DVD, <laughs> they might want to re- like take a good look at themselves and you know, imagine their life. It was a fine show, and the people were all great. Brooke Shields is very nice, uh, and, I, and it got me this job as well. So it, you know, she is very nice, and she's lovely. She, honestly, she's both of those things. She is. Now, now we've talked about a little bit about keeping it fresh and some of the yeah. basic things. One of the things I want to ask you is, is uh, other shows, I mean, other, um, not just comedies, but other animated series. Do you watch any of that stuff, or is it just too much? No, I mean, I, I watch, uh, I like South Park. I don't, I can't say I watch it re- regularly, mm-hmm. but I love it when I catch it. I don't even mind Family Guy, I think is okay. Mm-hmm. Um, what other animated shows? There's some of the adult, uh, the adult Swim stuff I try to catch. Um, I don't watch a lot of the animated stuff. I love, if we're talking about live action, Sure. I love The British Office, to me, is one of the greatest series ever made, and I really very, very much like The American Office. Right. There's parts of 30, I'm just talking about current shows, I guess 30 Rock, which is, there's parts of it that are good. I like Kirby Enthusiasm, blah, blah, blah. Yeah. So, yeah, you hit all the touchstones. Uh, well, you know what? They're touchstones for a reason. They're all good. You and, you didn't, you know, you actually branched out from networks. You didn't even feel obligated to just to do Fox shows. I was No, I, I couldn't think of any Fox shows. I family guy just threw in there to be nice to Fox. I know, exactly. Yeah. Well, you know, fam- uh, King of the Hill. King of the Hill, sure. Very funny in a, in a, in a, in a sort of non-animated, wacky kind of way. In a, yeah, well, sure. I mean, it's no Simpsons, right? Yeah, uh, you know. Let's not kid ourselves. <laughs> Is there a character that you particularly like yourself and when you write a script, are there certain jokes for certain characters you definitely have to get in there? I mean, I love Mo. I mm-hmm. think he's he's very dark, which I love. And uh, by the same token, I love Ralph Wiggum, and I love his father, Chief Wiggum. I, they're just you know very iconic, stereotypical characters in a way, and and they're easy to write for. But you know, there's also joy in making a very funny and new and fresh joke that fits in that. Uh, pigeonhole that they have. Right. Um, those are probably three, I would say, right off. I mean, Homer is great, and Homer has a much broader range of stuff, so if you think of a great joke for Homer, but uh, I mean, Mo, I love writing for Mo or Ralph Wiggum or Chief Wiggum. Right. Now, is there anybody you just you go and say, you know, I'm not writing anything for her. I'm not, you know, I'm tired of her. Uh, or him. No, I mean, we, we, we all sort of get fall in love with and fall out of love with some of those fringe characters. For example, like Duffman, there might be a, a or old, I mentioned Old Gill. Those might be like a character that all of a sudden, for whatever reason, we find that we're enjoying, and the three or four episodes, we'll find a way to put them in, and then we get bored of them all of a sudden and, and shy away from them. The Cat Lady is another example. Uh-huh. Um <laughs> So, you know, it comes and goes. I mean, obviously, the family is the core of the show, so we certainly focus on the family, and it's easy to write for all four or five characters, but uh, every now and then you'll have an affair with, uh, you know, Disco Stew or whomever. Right. Now, and I, and I don't mean to be sort of, uh, you know, add like a serious tone to this, but really, I mean, 400 episodes is, is amazing, and you're still on the show. It's still going strong. You know, there is quite a legacy there. I mean, are you going to look back on this years later in your career and think, geez, man, I was, that was the show, and I was, I was part of it? I definitely will, and like I said, I I already have some of those moments now. Just talking to people like you, or when I have a chance to be at a something that is representing the show, uh, and just connect with people, and I I hear them tell me how much they love the show, or that they grew up the show, or that the show their family watches together. 
I mean, it really resonates, and I'm like, this is amazing. This is uh, a cultural icon. You know, Time Magazine called it the greatest television show of the 20th century. Um, it, it already is out there. It's it's no secret this is an amazing place to work, and I'm very lucky to have to work here. Yeah, no question about it. I mean, Time, they're a bunch of blowhards, you know. They're yeah, no, anything, I, hey, But I, still, I, you're I, right. I it is, it. it's, and I say, which is more important because we are in San Francisco, and this is all that really matters. Is that it is probably the greatest comedy that's ever been put on television. I mean, it's well, just spectacular. I'm going to start mentioning that in the next interview. I'm going to quote that. Exactly, exactly. And Joel, I, you know, 400 episodes. It, you're, it's it's quite an accomplishment. Uh, the series remains funny. I think that you made a great point in that it's uh, as funny as today. And if you go back, and they're different shows, but it's still the still the humor is still as great as it ever is. And uh, I want to thank you for being here. And you are going to be at the Jewish Community Center in San Francisco on Wednesday night. On Wednesday night. That's right. All right, Joe. Well, thanks for being with us. My pleasure. Thank you very much. Okay.